sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to SportsGrid. Kicking off your day with college football today. Another beautiful fall day. A little chill in the air here in our local area where Joe and I live, New York, New Jersey area. And it really feels like an actual college football week, Joe. Uh, 20 games today, and we're excited, obviously, to get this stuff moving. Yeah, the calm before the storm, Mike, right? Next week, the SEC kicks off on September 26th. We have 20 games today, and the dogs were barking last Saturday. 19 games total, 11 dogs covered, including those two big Double-digit uh, underdogs in Georgia Tech and Louisiana Lafayette. So really, uh, really amped up for a great slate of action later today at 12 noon. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously the big story this week in college football is that the Big Ten has made an announcement to get started. It'll start October 23rd, 24th uh, weekend in the Big Ten Council of Presidents. You can see from this official uh, release here, they adopted significant medical protocols and voted unanimously to resume the football season starting that weekend. So what was your level of surprise that this occurred? It, look, this has been gradual, obviously, of us getting back to this point, Joe, but clearly where we were, what, 35, 40 days ago to now, it's a big change. Huge change, and I really think that the Big Ten really thought that the other conferences like the ACC, Big 12, and more importantly, the SEC would follow suit after the Pac-12 and Big Ten decided. Right, exactly. And then when that didn't happen, and you're Justin Fields, and you're Ohio State and Ryan Day, and you're turning on the TV last week, and you watch top-ranked Clemson demolish Wake Forest, you have to be thinking to yourself, we should be out there challenging for a national championship. And the, the pressure for Kevin Warren in terms of that decision, I think they immediately got on the phone after that performance Saturday night and said, we need to start playing. And that's why the decision came down late Monday, early Tuesday. And the momentum continued. We're talking uh, about the Pac-12 next. And the Pac-12 uh, said earlier this week, this is Larry Scott, the Pac-12 commissioner. The Pac-12 welcomes today's statements by Governor Newsom of California and Governor Brown of Oregon that state public health officials will allow for contact practice and return to competition, and that there are no state restrictions on our ability to play sports in light of our adherence to strict health and safety protocols and stringent testing requirements. I'll I'll stop it there because it's a fairly long statement, but the reality, Joe, is that the California we thought was in the crosshairs. We thought it might be difficult to get everybody out there. But a key component of that statement and something that you and I had talked about in previous shows on the run-up to this season was the testing protocols. It appears that both the Big Ten and Pac-12 were able to get to a point where they felt comfortable with their ability to rapid test uh, uh, large amounts of players in a, a short period. But Uh, It does not mean that we won't deal with coronavirus issues. We'll get into some of those in a moment. But the the good news is for college football fans on uh, from coast to coast, we're going to have more football come late October. 
We really are, and it did come down to the testing, the ability to get those results back within, you know, five or ten minutes, and that's what the Big Ten and Pac-12 have now with the current testing protocols. I think the bigger question is, if the Pac-12 waits any longer at this point, I know they're meeting today, they're meeting possibly early next week, they really need to start playing college football before the end of October. If they wait into November, they're going to be on the outside looking in for a college football playoff appearance. I don't think there's any way the other four conferences wait for the Pac-12 right now. Yeah, we're bringing in our radio audience as uh, we get uh, to the close of this segment. But uh, clearly, we're still dealing with issues. And I think you're right. They, they, it seems like sometime within the next five days, they're going to make an official announcement similar to what the Big Ten did as to what date they'd be able to start. But we are still not with we're not out of the woods yet in terms of Games being canceled. Uh, Houston Baylor was canceled today. Uh, Houston Charlotte. So uh, Charlotte football, you see this update uh, right here. Saturday's game at North Carolina has been canceled due to quarantine. Uh, so we have that issue, Joe. It isn't going away. We're seeing issues with uh, team-wide and also uh, having issues with the positional groups that are the teams are not able to feel. This happened with Florida Atlantic as well. It did, and it happened with Baylor. Baylor at one type of position did not have the allowed uh, players available that allowed the Big 12 to make that decision. So they need to have 53 total players, but seven offensive linemen. They wouldn't specify which players or which group could not play this coming Saturday. But we're going to start to see this. Virginia uh, Virginia Tech was supposed to take place in primetime. Right, 7.30. That got pushed back to the end of the season. I think as long as these situations pan out and we're able to push them back or reschedule them at some point, it's okay. I mean, four or five games, that's not a problem. If we start to get into 10 or 12, that could be an issue, especially when we look at conference standings and, more importantly, championships. Specifically, Houston Baylor, those teams had been, uh, they scrambled to schedule the game this week. Houston had been set to face Memphis. Memphis had an outbreak of upwards of 20 uh, different players due to contact tracing and other COVID-19 protocols were declared ineligible to play. Uh, So that forced that post moment. Baylor's original season opener, September 12th, against Louisiana Tech was postponed because of a COVID-19 outbreak at Louisiana Tech. And now, uh, to close it out, BYU is dealing with issues on their team. They had to cancel their game with Army, and they rescheduled Louisiana Tech uh, for the end of the year. So this is all these concentric circles and associative uh, math properties that are allowing us to get more games on the schedule. Joe and I will come back, talk specific games, including BC Duke, next on College Football Today. We'll be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Get on the grid. Back here on College Football Today, along with my man Joe Lisi. Uh, You can find him on Twitter at GoForTheTwo. Find me on Twitter at Mike Blue and find us all on Twitter at SportsGrid on Instagram at SportsGrid TV so you can follow, react, uh, tell Joe what a great job he's doing with picks. He 
called a couple of things last week. Pretty nice. I could call in Louisiana. You you had them staying tight. I don't know if you had the outright upset, but you, you had them staying tight. So we're off to a good start with your picks last week. Yeah, not bad. Arkansas State came through. That was my best That's one right. of my best bets for the for the weekend plus three twenty. I took them a little early last week before they played K State. Also had Georgia Tech, so that was that was another game. I didn't think that Georgia Tech would win the game outright. Thought they would be uh, cover the twelve and a half, but uh, to win that game for Jeff Collins, a solid first win uh, for the Yellow Jackets. See if they can back it up a little bit later against UCF at three thirty today. Joe, as you know, we are uh, nothing but unbiased reporters here <laughs> at at SportsGrid, and we get to kick off the show today uh, with Duke hosting Boston College. Uh, I, I would say in a normal week, this might not be the game we lead off with, but because I'm a homer and there's a few less games on the slate, we're going with this ACC matchup. Jeff Halfley's first game as head coach. Uh, they obviously have an excellent offensive line one of the top offensive lines in the country joe they have nine defensive starters returning so it is going to be a surprise to some extent to all of us how they play this line has dropped though it was five and a half earlier in the week a lot of the tickets particularly the money line bets heavily in favor of boston college pushing the line down now to three and a half it's interesting because I knew that we would lead off with this game in terms of Boston College, not the sexiest ACC matchups, but this is an interesting battle for the Eagles. An interesting battle. You mentioned the offensive line. They average around 307 pounds across their starting five, going up against a smaller athletic defensive front in Duke. Now, Duke played very well in the first half. They lost that matchup last week to Notre Dame by 14 points. But I think this is a bad matchup for Duke, even though they played one game under their belt, because their ability in run support, you look at the second half of last week's game against Notre Dame, Notre Dame was able to rush for 178 yards, average 4.8 yards per carry, and they wore down Duke in the second half. And I think that's the battle for running back David Bailey that has rushed for 844 yards last year. Average 5.7 yards per carry. Look for a methodical game plan. Look for Boston College to work off a of play action. That defense, Mike, though, is the main concern with Halfley in year number one. They gave up 32 points per game. Atypical 193 rushing yards in terms of rush defense, which is totally not a Boston College defense, and 285 through the air to opposing quarterbacks. So that needs to change for Boston College to be 500. But I do like them week number one because of their offensive line. Yeah, I mean, the good news for them is that Halfley is a defensive coordinator. He has all this experience returning. They'll be going up against Chase Bryce today, the QB of Duke, a former Clemson quarterback. Uh, now, they covered last week against ND, and you made the really important point. It was a tale of two halves. Ian Book's numbers looked pedestrian for Notre Dame, and Duke actually outgained them in the first half, but they went from 246 yards in the first half to 82 in the second half. So Notre Dame uh, circled the wagon, so to speak, and, and kind of dominated that second half. But a 27-13 loss, not terrible for Duke. We'll see if Chase Bryce can do more. But on David Bailey, as you said, He's going to be a really important part of this offense. It's it's going to be really a simplistic type of offense for them this year. I, I want one more comment on their transfer quarterback, Phil Jerkovich. We obviously haven't gotten a chance to see him play all that much, but him coming over from Notre Dame uh, might be a spark to the offense in order to lead David Bailey and these offensive linemen. 
Yeah, his progression this year, obviously year number one, a new scheme. He does have good pocket presence, has a strong arm, and he utilizes the tight end, so keep an eye out for that. I think when you just break this game down a little bit deeper in terms of Duke's inability to run the football last week, they averaged two and a half yards per carry. That put them in long third down situations, and that's why they only converted four of 15 third downs. That was 26%. So in order for Duke to be in this matchup, look for them to run the football. But if they can't do it, that really favors the Boston College defense. And that's why I'm picking the Eagles in this matchup. Yeah, good stuff. So again, that line has moved down uh, in favor for the Eagles. They're still three and a half point dogs on the road. So uh, back to go over, I, I could talk about this game for 20 minutes, but we got to move on to the next <laughs> one. So uh, Chuba Hubbard, uh, is the star of the show for Oklahoma State. They are 22 and a half point favorite. Let me check the current line. I want to make sure I have everything up to the minute. It's 23 and a half right now uh, in favor of the Cowboys. So they are 23 and a half point favorites over Tulsa. Chuba Hubbard last year, 2,094 yards and 21 touchdowns. They have Tyler Wallace, Spencer Sanders at QB. They were 13 point favorites in a 40 to 21 win last year at Tulsa. So let's focus on the Oak State side of the ball first. Uh, look, this is an explosive offense under head coach Mike Gundy for a long period of time. Chuba Hubbard, we know all of his highlights as I just detailed some of them. But how about Spencer Sanders? Is he the type of guy that along with Tylen Wallace can make a step to the next level and compete for maybe best QB in this conference? I think he can, and he's athletic. I mean, he's a mobile quarterback, rushed for 100 yards in the loss against the Texas Longhorns. He was injured in the second half of last year, but another year in Mike Gundy's system and, and an added weapon. They get Tay Martin, the wide receiver from Mike Leach in Washington State uh, last season that does come into that offense. So now you implement Martin with Tylen Wallace and Dylan Stoner at the wide receiver position. That'll open up the rushing lanes for Chuba Hubbard. But Spencer Sanders, I think, could be one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the Big 12. Everybody talks about Spencer Rattler for Oklahoma. Spencer Sanders is a battle-tested quarterback. In another year, he's healthy with the best offensive weapons in the conference. This could be a dynamic offense in 2020. Battle of the Spencers in Oklahoma at some point later this season. Zach Smith is on the other side for Tulsa, former transfer from Baylor. He passed for 3,279 yards and 19 scores as a junior in a, in a for an offense that hung 41 points on Memphis and 34 on UCF late in the year last year. So uh, any chance for them to compete today for him to stay in it? Do you see an over being a play here because of both offenses being able to get it done? It's a possibility, but first game of the year, overs have been tough just from the quarterback to wide receiver relationship. But when you look at Zach Smith, he lost out to Charlie Brewer and Baylor, and that's why he transferred to Tulsa. He's a big kid. He goes around 6'3", 6'4". He has a strong arm. And like you mentioned, he has some playmakers around them, like the running back Summers. So I think when you look at Tulsa overall, they've lost seven straight to Oklahoma State in the series. You mentioned the 40-21 to 21 loss last year, but they've lost also seven games by an average margin of defeat of 25.8 points per game. I would take the points here, 23, 23 and a half with Tulsa. I like Zach Smith. I think Oklahoma State is clearly the better team, but I would take the points with Tulsa in this matchup. 
All right, only got about a minute left. We'll run through this one very quickly. Cincinnati is currently, I want to make sure I have all these spreads up to date. Third, now 37 and a half. So this point, this spread moved up four points during the week. Uh, obviously, a lot of late action. They are heavy, heavy favorites against Austin P, who just got annihilated against Pitt last week. Uh, 55 to nothing. Pitt had six touchdown runs against them last week. Uh, Austin P had only one rushing yard total. So in the 55 to nothing game, all the bets had to be canceled, Joe, because <laughs> Pitt and Austin P agreed to 10 minute quarters in the second half. So the books had to void the bets because it wasn't a um, an official game. Yeah, I think the biggest thing when we look at the handicapping perspective is everybody has talked about one game versus a team that hasn't played a game. What about a team that's played two games versus a team that hasn't played a game? Now, clearly Cincinnati's the better team, but I'm starting to like Austin P more and more. This is the final game of the season for Austin P. The line's up to 35 and a half now, Mike. Give me Austin P plus the 35 and a half. I think they keep it within the number against Cincinnati later tonight. Uh, all right, interesting. Betting on a team that lost by 55 and got shut out last week. Joe likes a little bit of value, but we will talk about some teams next that, as good as they are, weren't able to cover. It's going to be Clemson Wake. That's the team we'll lead off next. On the grid, get on the grid, stay here. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Line up, ladies! The early line. It's a violent game, and these are headline pieces of talent, Kev that are down. Then, of course, we saw what happened with James Conner, although Pittsburgh has already come out and said that they think he'll be okay. When you look at these injuries, what do you think is the biggest one? I think what you bring up with Michael Thomas, though, is the most important point of the struggle that that will be for people who look to build out fantasy lineup. The Sports Grid Network. Hello, I'm Dr. David Chow, a.k.a. Pro Football Doc. I spent 17 years on an NFL sideline with the Chargers as a head team position, and I can tell you teams don't want to tell you the whole story. That's where I come in. I know what they're trying to tell you and trying not to tell you. I know how to assess injuries and how it will impact players and teams that week. Come check out ProFootballDoc.com. You can't make a bet or set a fantasy lineup without coming to consult with us at ProFootballDoc.com. Pharrell on the bench. I've been on Tampa, as you know, for the entire season. The minute I saw them play hockey, I knew they were better than everybody. They skate better, pass better, score better than everybody. The Sports Grid Network. You're watching Sports Grid. Get on the grid. This is Sports Grid. Get on the grid. Hey, we're back on the grid. Thanks for watching us on College Football Today. Anywhere you can get Sports Grid. Uh, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. So uh, right back into the games here, Joe Lisi, and you have 
Wake Forest at NC State. Wake is coming off a 37-13 defeat uh, at Clemson. They were down 37-3. So to some extent, Clemson called off the dogs. But you, you and I had actually talked about that a little bit last week that we thought teams might be taking their we, – we were actually – I should say we were debating whether or not teams would take their foot off the gas pedal, uh, bring in some backups where they try to get reps for the starters. And I think we saw a mixture of that, right? Teams wanting to leave starters out there to get reps, but also and not everybody was crisp. We're, we're going to talk about teams in a couple of minutes that really have had a tough time getting started earlier in the year, lack of – contact and practices and a lack of a standard schedule has led teams to perform pretty unevenly. Uh, Great point, Mike. Uh, You brought it up. The lack of spring ball, the lack of actual practices, the the COVID protocols that are in place. You saw it with Baylor. I mean, they don't have enough positional players to field the team today, and that's why that game is canceled. And that's what we saw out of Clemson. They jumped up early. They had a 17 to nothing first half lead. They jumped up, like you mentioned, 37 to three, and then they incorporated a lot of the a lot of the younger talent in that ball game because you need depth. Who's to say that? Trevor Lawrence can't go down with a positive test. How does that affect the team moving forward? You need to be ready. So I agree with you. I think that we'll see the starters go in in, in in terms of the top five programs for three quarters if they're dominating. Then in the fourth quarter, we get those younger players in. But that doesn't mean that it's a vanilla game plan. They have to be ready to play at all times. And I think it's pedal to the metal from the from all four quarters, from not just the starters, but the backups as well. Chase Bryce, whom we talked about in the first segment, was a key component in Clemson's national championship run a few years ago when uh, Trevor Lawrence had replaced uh, Kelly Bryant, right? And then Lawrence got hurt during a game. Chase Bryce had to come in, and he pulled off a comeback. I believe it was against Syracuse that Chase Bryce had to come in and get that win. So this is NC State's opening game. The Virginia Tech game was postponed from last weekend as Virginia Tech has gone through a COVID outbreak, and NC State – brings in the new off new OC, Tim Beck. Uh, he joins the staff after ser- serving in the same role at Texas last year. So Beck and Coach Dave Doran have committed to sophomore quarterback Devin Leary as their starter. On the flip side, we have Sam Hartman. Sam Hartman taking over for Jamie Newman. He had played, obviously, like a couple of years ago before Jamie Newman took over the starting role. But a rough start for Sam last week. It was, and you're going up against one of the best defenses in college football. Now, I thought he played fairly well. He completed 52% of his passes, threw for uh, over 300 yards in that matchup. I still think that his ability to challenge NC State's defense over the top is a main reason why I'm picking Wake Forest in this matchup. He's a battle-tested quarterback. He has good pocket presence, limits mistakes, doesn't have the strongest arm, but he'll tuck it and run if the play is not there. I just don't have enough confidence in Doran staff or Devin Leary in this battle even though all these games have been close traditionally Wake Forest has won three straight by an average margin of victory of 14.8 points per game and dominated this matchup last year in Winston-Salem 44 to 10 so give me Wake Forest plus the two and a half points and I also like them on the money line a little bit later tonight I mean, NC State had come off a couple of nine and four seasons, and then last year it all fell apart for them. But right now, Wake is a one and a half point favorite at NC State. The money line for NC State plus 104. We have a total 
of 52 and a half. And again, we'll we'll keep diving into these picks as we go. We got Mark, Mark Lawrence next coming up with us. So he'll be sure to review some of these picks with us and, and perhaps give a give us a couple of his own. The next game uh, on the slate is Pitt versus Syracuse. And QB Tommy DeVito was sacked early and often last week. Last year, he was the most sacked quarterback in all of S- FBS. And then last week at Chapel Hill, seven more sacks, Joe. So uh, going up against a pit defense that, it, first of all, doesn't have Jalen Twyman because he opted out and didn't even utilize two starters in the 55 to nothing game against uh, Austin P to do due to COVID protocols. This is not the type of defense that Syracuse wants to see. They obviously have, have obvious offensive line issues, and they're going up against arguably the best defensive line in the ACC. Yeah, and they have Patrick Jones, and I think that's a big matchup to watch a little bit later today against an inexperienced offensive line for Syracuse. When we spoke about the North Carolina game last week, we knew that there were raw starters on that offensive line, like Elmore, their tight end and former linebacker. So that was a mismatch for North Carolina. Think about this in terms of the 31-6 to loss by Syracuse. North Carolina turned over the football Three times. How bad would the score have been in the second half if without those turnovers in the matchup? Pitt has won six of the last seven, Mike, the last three or four by 9.6 points per game. I expect a better effort out of Syracuse. Pitt wins, but I feel that Syracuse keeps it within the number. They lost this matchup 27 to 20 last year. I expect the Vita to back up and step up today, and more importantly, they need to rush better than 68 yards on the ground. They only converted 21% on third downs. I think it's a better effort out of Dino Babers and the crew. Pitt wins, but Syracuse covers the 21-and-a-half later today. Yeah, it's a three-touchdown spread right now, total currently at 48-and-a-half. So that spread's actually come down to 20-and-a-half. But tell me a little bit about Kenny Pickett, the, the Pitt QB. It's it's difficult to discern anything from what happened against Austin P last week, uh, 55 to nothing. The game was basically shortened in order to make sure that it didn't get too out of control. It already was out of control, 42 to nothing at halftime, 55 nothing overall. But tell me a little bit about Kenny Pickett. Yeah, Kenny Pickett's an athletic quarterback, came on the scene a couple of years ago, engineered the victory over Miami when Miami was undefeated uh, in Heinz Field. So he got that victory, a lot of optimism and expectations last year in a new scheme. He only threw uh, 13 touchdown passes, and that's the biggest thing. He started fast just the way he did against Austin P with 277 passing yards last year, but his ability to have consistency from the start of the year to the end of the year is really what plagued Pittsburgh in key critical ball games, coupled with the fact of a lack of a running game. You look at Alvin Davis last week, 11 rushes, 43 yards. This was a team a couple of years ago that was averaging five yards per carry. Last year, they got it down to three and a half yards per carry. So more pressure on the offensive line. If they can run the football more effectively, that'll take the pressure off of Kenny Pickett and expect bigger numbers uh, this season in 2020. Yeah, do you do you expect that though to be sort of the game plan? Like last week, uh, again, you can't take much of it, but he's fourteen of twenty for two hundred yards. Are those the types of lines you would expect to see from him? Them focusing on his athleticism to some extent, but not airing the ball out. Uh, con- relatively conservative passing numbers, but Pitt winning with uh, rushing the ball on defense. 
Pitt has to get back to basics. They need the ability to stretch defenses, but they still struggle when they fall behind in ball games. They need to dictate the tempo. And I think when you look at this matchup, you have to go where, where your strength is. Syracuse allowed 168 rushing yards to North Carolina and over four yards per carry. You have a bigger physical offensive line. You need to utilize that. So I expect Pitt to run the football in this matchup. I don't think the game plan is to get into a shootout with Syracuse. That would favor their offense even though they struggled last week on the road in North Carolina. Three touchdowns just feels like a lot to me this early in the season uh, against uh, another conference opponent. So we'll see. Is Pitt that much better? Uh, we'll see a little bit later today. So final game we're going to talk about in this segment, Tulane uh, at Navy. So all four Tulane touchdowns last week were on the ground. They had 40 carries for 203 yards, which sounds like they may have dominated uh, South Alabama. But they were actually down 24-6 to in this game, Joe. So they stormed all the way back 21 unanswered points, and they get the W. But going, And going up against Navy today, Navy had about as bad a debut as anybody. They got crushed 55-3 to against BYU two weeks ago. So they had a bye week. Obviously, COVID issues have uh, really jammed up everybody's schedules. But they've been off two weeks. And Ken Niamatololo, head coach of Navy, said that it was the worst game Navy ever played. So... Do you expect a big bounce back here as Tulane uh, able to keep this tight? The, the spread currently sits at five and a half. Navy is the favorite. Excuse me, it's at Tulane. So uh, Tulane is five and a half point favorites with a 46 and a half total. Yeah, I don't. I, I really like Tulane in this matchup. A couple of reasons why. The offense and defensive line play for the Green Wave. If you watch that ball game on the road in South Alabama, in the second half, their interior lines took over. Tajay Spears had 105 yards on the ground. Keon Howard, the so uh, former Southern Miss quarterback, came on. He threw for 191 yards, rushed for a touchdown. But that defensive front, led by Cameron Sample uh, and Richardson, really stepped up. Uh, and to me, that's the difference in this matchup. In order to stop the triple option, you need big physical defensive tackles that can disrupt the running lanes. And that's what BYU was able to do against Navy when they routed them 55 to three. I'm expecting the same type of effort out of the green wave here. The line opened up at eight, it's down to five and a half. They have a significant advantage in terms of weight and play on the offense and defensive lines. To me, it's not the same Navy team that we've seen. Backup quarterback Perry Olsen is transferred out of the program. Defensively, they looked undersized. I expect Tulane to dominate this matchup by double digits later today. Yeah, senior Dalen Morris beat out sophomore Perry Olsen, who has now entered the transfer portal. So, you know, working through a lot of kinks, a 52-point loss. They didn't get a chance to bounce back the next week because their game with Temple is canceled. Now they're going on the road, uh, and they're underdogs. I, I I trust Niamatololo as a coach, but as he said, this this might not be your classic Navy team that's been ripping off eight and nine wins for a whole bunch of seasons. So uh, with that being said, we're going to turn the page after this break. Over to Mark Lawrence. He's going to come and give us his best. One of the top college football handicapper minds that we get to talk to on a regular basis. So you're going to want to tune in to his advice next on The Grid. It's Mike and Joe, college football today. Get on The Grid. Mark Lawrence is next.
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And we're back on the grid. Excited to have our guest with us right now. It is Mark Lawrence. Uh, he joins myself and Joe. And you can find Mark on Twitter at Mark Lawrence, I believe. Is that right? Did I get it right? I believe I got it right. So, Mark, first of all, I want to bring you in. Thank you for joining us. And uh, I, I had to ask you first because it is the big story this week with the Big Ten officially coming back and the Pac-12 on the precipice of coming back. Are you surprised at the way this has played out? It felt like there was momentum coming this way, but how excited, how surprised are you about this development? Well, number one, nice to be on board with you guys. As always, Joe's a good friend of mine, dear friend, and I love his college knowledge. Mike, nice to be with you as well. As far as the Big Ten goes, I feel personally, one, we needed it as college football fans, but I think it was more a political move than anything else at all. The Big Ten was just jonesing to get back in action, uh, and they needed this big push to do so. I only hope they're doing the right thing from a health standpoint from the players, the student athletes, and everybody else. If it's all good, if they can get their protocols in place, it will be wonderful for college football because we can have at least a legitimate college football playoff by the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, Joe and I have talked about it a bunch. I I thought – the fact that Ohio State was unable to play football, but the high schools and the University of Cincinnati and the Bengals and the Browns were all able to play, just put a really bad optic lens on it for the Big Ten. And it's the the top program in the entire conference, and yet they weren't allowed to play when the high schools surrounding them are able to. But let's uh, focus on the games this week. It's obviously a shorter slate than we are otherwise used to, but such is 2020. And uh, I want to get started by a game that we just talked about in the previous segment. And that's Syracuse uh, going up against Pitt today. A huge underdog after a really bad performance against UNC. And Pitt, obviously, a cakewalk against Austin P. Joe is really of the mindset that Syracuse is going to keep it close throughout the day. But particularly in the first half, we had 11.5 point first half spread in favor of Syracuse. Well, let me say that Joe and I are good friends, but we don't necessarily agree on every game. But this is one that I have to agree with on Joe, okay? Uh, I, I think what you've got here is Dino Baber sitting on the hottest of hot seats right now. Uh, he come out very poorly in his first football game, and you got Penn off that romp, or Pittsburgh, I should say, off that romp over Austin P. This is a game that Dino Babers needs like blood. Whether or not he wins the football game is arguable, but I think he can play competitively enough to get the money in the contest, I'm going to play Syracuse plus the points. Mark, when you look at one game we just talked about, Navy on the road against Tulane, this line, we've seen a lot of line movement. It opened up Tulane minus eight. It's already down to five and a half. Give me your thoughts about this matchup, because after that disappointing blowout loss to BYU on Labor Day night, a lot of people are expecting to Navy to bounce back in a big way later today. Well, Joe, this is one game that we're not on the same sideline on, okay? Uh, uh, 
I happen, you know, I rely, as you know, Joe, heavily on my database. I have a database that uh, I call it the well-oiled machine. And it, you know, it chews out a lot of great information with scores and lines and stats going back as far as 1980. And I run the process with the database. And to me, the names of the teams in the database, I can put tape over the names of the teams, and it just churns out the stats. What it tells me here in this football game is that military teams that embarrassed in their previous football game, as Navy was, we all know what happened there, they've been dynamite when they've been on the road the next game. Any military team that scored three or fewer points in a football game goes on the road the next game is 16-2 and two against the point spread going all the way back to 1980. I've got to like Navy's chances in this football game to make amends for the big error that Coach N admits that he made in not letting his players uh, uh, tackle and practice here. I think he gets this game comes right down to the wire, and whoever scores last, and I'll be taking the points with the mid, the middies in this contest. So uh, Mark likes the middies with uh, getting five and a half here on the road. For those of you that are feeling even a little bit bolder, plus one ninety right now on the money line for the midshipmen. So go over to another game that we haven't touched on yet, and that's Notre Dame. Um, they played Duke last week, a very uneven first half. Duke was very competitive in it. Uh, Notre Dame dominated the second half. Pedestrian numbers for Ian Book, uh, but Notre Dame, again, only allowing 82 yards of offense in the second half. So how do you see this one with uh, Notre Dame going up against USF today? Significant favorites, uh, over 25-point favorites right now. Yeah, big, huge favorites right now. And I'm not an advocate right now in the COVID situation of laying big points right now. Yeah. Notre Dame doing just that. They struggled in their last game against uh, Duke doing the same thing. And what you've got in Florida here is what I call a mission team. And a mission team basically in the simplest sense, guys, is a team that was a bowl team the previous three seasons and had a losing season last year. They will generally tend to come back on a mission to get back to where they were the year before. I can see Notre Dame. Once again, playing down to the level of South Florida. I don't think Notre Dame's got everything in gear here right now. It's just a little bit too early for that. I think South Florida, who, by the way, Joe, the last time they visited South Bend, they beat the Irish on this field. I think South Florida comes with everything they've got, and I like them plus the points. Mark, I want to get your take, and it's always great talking college football with you. One of the best minds in terms of the hand handicapping perspective, and uh, we are good friends. So I want to get your take about this. Everybody's talked about having a game versus not playing a game. And then we have a game at 12 o'clock with Austin P that has played two games already versus Cincinnati coming out of the gate. Their first game of the season, this line opened up at 33 and a half. It's up over five touchdowns. I'm starting to lean to Austin P to just cover this 35 and a half point number somehow, some way later tonight. I'm going to be dead honest with you, Joe. My database does not handicap uh, anything other than FBS teams, but I can tell you this. I ran this because I heard that you liked Austin P, and I ran it in my database while you were on the break. And, indeed, teams that are playing their third game against teams playing their first game, they are 278 and 62 straight up in the football wow. game. Now, I'm not going to go so far as to say Austin P wins this football game. But that just tells you it confirms the fact that those three games of preparation really bodes well for these teams or playing their third game, I should say. And I'm with you. I would hold my nose and play the points with Austin P in the football contest.
Yeah, it's like I said earlier, it's difficult to look at a team that lost by 55 and had to shorten the game, canceling all the tickets a week ago, and then turn around and support them the next week. But it, it, Cincinnati is, hasn't played yet. They might be working out the kinks just like everybody else. We all would sit here and tell you Clemson is either the first or second or third best team in the country. They didn't cover against Wake last week. They had a 34-point lead, but Wake was at least able to score 10 points late. Uh, to keep it a little bit closer, and uh, Wake covers that number. So, uh, slight correction, Notre Dame spread now down to 23-and-a-half uh, against South Florida. But, uh, you know, just a couple of other games to to throw at you, Mark. And, again, you can find him on Twitter at Mark Lawrence, M-A-R-C, Lawrence, L-A-W-R-E-N-C-E, at playbook.com. You should go there. you find uh, all of Mark's latest information. But uh, we talked about the Duke-BC game earlier uh, I don't know if you have a side there and, and one other one, uh, which we're going to talk about in the next segment in the next hour in more detail. UCF at Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech with a, a surprise win to some extent against Florida State, a very sloppy game on both sides. But how about a little bit of that, those AFC, uh, ACC action teams, BC Duke and then Georgia Tech hosting UCF? Well, let's go backwards here. First, uh, the Georgia Tech football game. Uh, I'm a big Jeff Collins fan, the head coach. I bet he was a terrific hire for Georgia Tech. And he went into the program. He was hamstrung. He was handcuffed. He inherited all of Paul Johnson's players that were recorded to run his program, that uh, down-your-throat, run-the-ball offense, of which they were not recruited to do. So what did he do last year? He played in abundance of underclassmen, did Collins last year. And I think that's going to pay off for this football team in spades. We saw it in the first football game. I like them plus the points here. I'm going to stay on the bandwagon until the, he proves different to me. And as far as the, uh, the Duke-Boston college football game goes, this is a game that is absolutely loaded with everything on one side and nothing on the other side for my database. Now, as far as teams go and how they play, the Boston College has been outstanding role of a road underdog, and Duke has been horrible in the role of a favorite put the two of those meshed together here. And I think uh, Duke, after coming off the game with Notre Dame, there's always a letdown, per se, if you will, of teams that play the Irish here. I'm going to play Boston College, plus the points. Mark, I just want to get your sentiments about living in, in the Miami area. A lot of pressure on Manny Diaz and the crew as they go on the road to face Malik Cunningham uh, and that offense, that high-powered offense. Where does Manny Diaz stand? Does he need to win this game uh, against Louisville tonight to get off the hot seat? No, I think he kind of got off the hot seat with that win last week, Joe, his last football game. And uh, I think they go into this football game with a lot of confidence. But I think this is a huge coaching edge to Scott Satterfield and Louisville in the football game. He's got a lot of talent there, does Louisville this year. And it appears Miami of Florida also has a lot of talent. This is, I think, the best game on the college football card today. But when it comes, when it comes uh, down to pushing and shoving, I'm going to go with the better coach in this football game in Satterfield and Louisville. Uh, I think when it, X's and O's, Manny Diaz is, I think, the epitome of what you would call the Peter principle. He's a great defensive coordinator. And he hasn't yet proven that he can handle the range as a head coach. Satterfield has. I'm going to stay with Louisville in this football game. Really amazing, right? Manny Diaz with all the uh, pedigree that he has to come in and well-respected as a coach. But it's really, it is markedly different than how quickly Scott Satterfield was able to come into Louisville in a program that had fallen apart 
and immediately resurrect them in 2019. And they're already competitive against some other very talented top teams. It's really impressive to me. And I, and I think you're right. I think I'm with you. I think Satterfield is a heck of a coach. Uh, just a general question, and I'll use the Clemson game as a jumping off point on this um, theory or however you approach these games. 47 and a half point favorites against a team like Citadel. We know there's no comparison in terms of the talent level of the teams, but Clemson wasn't able to cover last week. We know that this is a funky season. Are you at all comfortable laying this level of points? Is this just a stay away game for you? How would you approach a game like this in general, maybe specifically Clemson today? Well, let me say, guys, that my famous line that I revert to the most when games have huge prohibitive spreads like this as favorites of 40 or more points is simply, I wouldn't lay 40 points in a football game if I knew the final score. <laughs> it's not in my blood to do that. It's not in my DNA. I just I'm couldn't do that. In, in the case of Dabo Swinney here, I can see a head coach here that is going to just game plan himself all the way out to make it to the college football championship game this year. I don't think you're going to see any players that are going to be on the field in the second half that are going to be starting the game next or next week, I should say. And he'll be conservative in his approach. I, and he's also a kind of a coach that's never been really known to rub it in your nose, especially against a Division II or a non-FBS type football teams. So, again, another case of get it the clothespin out, hold your nose, and grab the points with the Citadel. Yeah, that, that's a tough one, but I, I think I agree. I, I think given all of the complications of this season, I think you're right. I think Dabo Swinney is really going to approach this methodically and say, hey, we don't need to win all of these games 63-3. to I think we need to make sure that Trevor and Travis and everybody else, that's our playmakers, are good to go uh, come uh, December basically. So thank you, Mark. It was great to have you. I hope we talk to you again uh, very soon. You can find him on Twitter at Mark Lawrence. Go to playbook.com. You'll have all of his latest information and everything else. So uh, thanks for the information today. And Joe and I will be back to close out our number one on college football today. Get on the grid. It's sports grid. We'll be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Line up, ladies! The early line. It's a violent game, and these are headline pieces of talent, Kev that are down. Then, of course, we saw what happened with James Conner, although Pittsburgh has already come out and said that they think he'll be okay. When you look at these injuries, what do you think is the biggest one? I think what you bring up with Michael Thomas, though, is the most important point of the struggle that that will be for people who look to build out fantasy lineup. The Sports Grid Network. Hello, I'm Dr. David Chow, a.k.a. Pro Football Doc. I spent 17 years on an NFL sideline with the Chargers as a head team position, and I can tell you teams don't want to tell you the whole story. 
That's where I come in. I know what they're trying to tell you and trying not to tell you. I know how to assess injuries and how it will impact players and teams that week. Come check out ProFootballDoc.com. You can't make a bet or set a fantasy lineup without coming to consult with us at ProFootballDoc.com. Pharrell on the bench. I've been on Tampa, as you know, for the entire season. The minute I saw them play hockey, I knew they were better than everybody. They skate better, pass better, score better than everybody. The Sports Grid Network. You're watching Sports Grid. Get on the grid. Sports grid. Get on the grid. You know, Joe, selfishly, I would say that I'm more excited this weekend than any other because I'm a homer just like everybody else when you get to see your <laughs> team play. And look, I don't want to cast dispersions on anybody that uh, has left BC and served BC faithfully for a number of years. But I had grown tired of the previous regime at Boston College, the coaching regime, and Jeff Halfley's exciting. He's an exciting guy to back. He's done a lot with, uh, you know, all the little bells and whistles that you're going to have when a new coach comes in. Let's get some new uniforms. We'll do throwback uniforms, you know, the hashtags, getting guys involved. He's an exciting, young, energetic coach coming out of a pedigreed championship-level program. So I'm excited to watch D.C. Yeah, me too. And you need a young coach that's going to instill enthusiasm. When you look at their former coach, Adazio, they just had that blue-collar mentality, but it didn't really, I want to say, from a recruiting aspect, warrant those skilled, highly touted, skilled position players to come to Boston College. And now when you're going up against quarterbacks in the ACC like Trevor Lawrence, you're going up against Sam Howell, you need to – you need to have that type of skill talent there. So you need a coach that's going to instill enthusiasm. And I think that's what they have in year number one with Jeff Halfley. Yeah, I think some fans out there are saying something like, uh, you know, I'll get excited when my team plays. I get it. You SEC fans are going to be a lot more pumped next weekend than you are this weekend. So uh, I threw up a poll here uh, based on the Big Ten announcement. Good morning, college football fans. I wanted to know, based on the announcement this week, we want to know, will a Big Ten team Make it into the college football playoff. Uh, it's early in the poll, but it's a resounding heck yeah on this one. Unfortunately, Joe, there might only be one option or uh, in the <laughs> Ohio State University. Does Penn State have a chance to? If, if, if Micah Parsons opts back in, they have a chance. But clearly, Ohio State is the team to beat. Okay. Hour number two next on The Grid. It's college football day. We'll be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 